What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. So, this episode is part two of a crossover uh, crossover event, crossover boondoggle, uh, crossover something that we did with Pod Strickland. So, for those of you who don't know, Pod Strickland is the official podcast of thestrick.land, the new website from all the guys over at Posting and Toasting. Um, that is uh, usually hosted by Schwinnie Poo and Drew Steele, but has um, been featuring my old colleague, JB, Jeffrey Ballone of Daily Knicks, over the last few weeks. Anyway, uh, myself, Schwinn, JB, and Jeremy got together, and we did a massive pod um, about an article that Schwinn wrote last week uh, for the Strickland in which he looked at um, some uh, Nick's free agency options on, um, let's say, uh, team team friendly contracts or team friendly ish contracts. It'll it'll make more sense when you listen to the pod. Um, and we talked about it. So the first half of the episode um, in which we discuss mostly Fred Van Fleet, but we touch on a couple of other issues, um, is over on the the Pod Strickland feed. So if you um, are listening to this now, I would recommend you hit pause and go um, subscribe to their pod um, because it's good anyway. And check out the first half of, of the show and then come back. And this is the second half where we get into um, the three other players um, that Schwinn proposed. And we talk a little bit more about Van Fleet. Um, if your time is limited and you can only listen to this show, I mean, you'll you'll pick up on the conversation pretty quick. So don't worry about that. And then we end by uh, the four of us go through um, how likely it is that we think each of these players will end up on the Knicks, given the, the contracts that Schwinn proposed. Um and also uh, what our preferences are, which uh, some some interesting responses to that. Uh, anyway, uh, just so you are kind of in the in the thick of it, once you start listening, the contracts that we talk about are Fred Van Fleet for three years and sixty seven point five million dollars. Not a not a bad payday. Christian Wood for three years and forty two million. Uh, Jeremy Grant for two years and twenty nine million, and Joe Harris for two years and thirty two million. Um, those are Schwinn's proposals that we dissect. So um, that is coming up for you shortly. But before we get to it, a word from our friends. You know them by, you know, you must know them by heart by now. I talk about them so much because they're my friend too. They are, of course, 
my bookie. Um, winning season returns at my bookie. It means doubling your first deposit. And it, of course, means prop bets, bonuses, and cross sport wages. Um, if you would like to get in on the action, you're going to want to use that promo code. I've said it a bunch of times. I'll say it again. Overtime. If you put in overtime when you sign up for my bookie, you will double your first deposit up to $1,000 in free play. So that means if you put 50, 100, 500, 1,000, up to 1,000, you're going to get that much back in free play um, to get more excitement for the sports you love and the games that you bet. NFL, what's left of the NBA season, NBA draft is coming up soon. They'll have prop bets for that, all kinds of good stuff. Um, and of course, the baseball playoffs still going on. And as a bonus, since overtime goes all in for their listeners, take advantage of a $500 cash giveaway to one lucky person at the end of this month. All you're going to do is after you make your first deposit, take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. So one more time, use the promo code overtime and then email your um, a cop, a screen grab of your um, page where you signed up and email it to overtime at advertisecast.com to be eligible to win $500 at the end of this month. And without further ado, the second half of my conversation with Schwinnie Poo, JB, and Jeremy Cohen. Okay, I want to. Can we turn to the other three guys you talk about? Because I think that there's a there's an alternate universe. I I don't. I know. Look, what you said to start the show, uh, Schwinn, that you think that there's a little bit too much being made of Van Fleet going back to Toronto. Um, I, I would agree with that, but especially with Gasol going. Um, could we? I think that Toronto is still the the likeliest scenario. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like if you were like, if you just wanted a chalk, right? Like the chalk on all these guys would be like Van Vliet goes back to Toronto, Christian Wood stays in Detroit, Joe Harris stays in Brooklyn, uh, Jeremy Grant stays in the with the Nuggets. Like all four of those guys are most most likely in all the scenarios to stay with the team that currently you know employ that they're 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 on right now. See, contract with right now, but but like. In real life, the way the, these things work is, it, it is most likely that not all four stay there. I agree, I agree, agree with you. Somebody leaves. Yeah, and I, which is which is why I think it's worth. So, the Joe Harris thing is fascinating to me, and the sixty-eight million thing is fascinating to me. Um, that it would essentially cost them sixty-eight million dollars when you factor in what the tax would be, assuming the rest of the offseason goes as we reasonably expect it to be. Because if I'm the Nets and I have the, they have the what is it, the twenty-first pick in the draft? Um, 19th. what is it? Nineteenth. Nineteenth. Okay, so even better. Me, me, and Jeremy did some fun trades this week with that that pick. Well, oh yeah, like. So they basically I don't think that they are going to have any interest in paying this the, the the tax bill that would that would come with this. So, so to me it's either they find a team to um take on um the the contract of uh oh my god, Torian Prince, which I know yes. I think who one of you wrote about this this offseason at some point. Um and the other option would be to draft a guy like Desmond Bain um, somewhere, uh, Spencer Perlman's ears just perked up, um, and you get to pay Desmond Bain whatever uh, the 19th pick in the draft makes, uh, $10, 12000000 million over the next four years, probably not even that. Yeah, and just two point six next year. Yeah, there you go. So very, very, very little. And, like, 
you know, I haven't watched nearly as much tape on Desmond Bain as a lot of other people, but everybody seems to think he's going to be a guy who will come in and kind of give you a, you know, rough replica of what Joe Harris has provided. And he's going to do so, you know, at quite a, quite a low cost. And to me, I, the, the one big critique I have for, for your, for the Harris thing is I think 32 is a little light. I think it's going to be, if it's just two years, I feel like it needs to be, I think it's going to need to be a little bit more. I feel like, I mean, you could even do like a JJ Reddick. Well, that's like, what we'll I'm. You that's what I'm getting. Yeah, like yeah. how? But, but that still is to the same point of if they do that, that really puts the Nets in in trouble, right? Well, so that's what that's my question here is if the choices for Joe Harris because I something tells me someone out there will beat two years, thirty two million, whether it's the Nets because they would rather hang on to Harris and move Prince in a different deal or whatever. I'm like, I'm thinking, would you rather have Joe Harris at one year? 25 million or at, you know, just to screw the nets real good and hard. Um, or would you rather go two years a little bit more? Or would you go, or would you go three years on Joe Harris at, you know, let's say $15 million annually and give him three for 45, which boy, that, that, that's, that's not nothing. Um, those are three different interesting options. And I guess the, the, what your article really made me think about is, does does signing Joe Harris to one year at like a massive overpay, like let's just say throw out twenty five, um, does that take away his trade value for that one year? Because there are there would be so few teams that would be able to inherit a contract of that size into their cap space. I don't. I don't actually. I think it would be easy to trade that. Even one twenty five, I think, is pretty easy to find a trade. Um, because like, and this was this was actually I, something I argued about with. Marcus Morris last year was people were like, well, it's a one year deal. Who's just going to give up one like anything of value for a one year contract? And my thing was like, look, nobody has cap space this summer, right? In this offseason that we're heading into now, nobody has cap space. Um, The teams that have cap space are unlikely to enter into some bidding war for Marcus Morris. So a team taking in Marcus Morris at one year, 15 million gets his non bird rights that they can start their next you know contract offer with, which means that you can offer him up to $18 million a year in starting salary. Like you're fine. You're going to keep Marcus Morris if you want to keep him. That's not an issue at all. And I feel the same way about Joe Harris. Like, yes, okay. You'd have to sign him to another contract, but like no team that has cap space probably is going to like, you know, start bidding up crazy on Joe Harris and at 25 million when he's you know when he enters free agency his non bird number comes in you can start a contract at 30 million dollars for this guy like you're you're going to be fine in terms of re-signing him and i don't think finding 25 million in expiring salary is difficult at all even for a even like i mean i i did it you know the christian wood one you you can do that like if for some reason the, the Celtics desperately wanted Joe Harris at one year 25 million okay well, give us Gordon Hayward's expiring contract. There's ways to always do this stuff, and I don't think it's, I don't think any number for Harris would be on a one-year deal is would be too hard to flip. I actually think it would be fairly straightforward in a lot of situations. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe. I just I'm I'm looking around the league and I'm like I'm saying okay, who's the contender that is going to have that much salary to send out? And I don't. You know, well, who who just give me like who who would be teams that you think would be like, oh well, yeah, we we really would want Joe Harris. Well, that's but that's the thing is I don't I don't know that I see a natural 
a natural fit because the 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 teams that have salaries to send out are not are not expiring. So I mean, the, honestly, the first the one that came to mind and it would take a little bit more money would be Tim Hardaway Jr.'s expiring contract yes. for the Mavs, which uh, the prospect of helping the Mavs next season is probably <laughs> not something we want to engage in. I don't think. Um, I don't know, man. Especially because they come in full circle of like the Nets were the the team looming that was gonna, you know, if the, if the Knicks kept KP as a restricted free agent, they would give the big offer sheet, right? That would mess up their cap. And now you got the Knicks kind of stole Harris. It would all what, just be poetic. What if what if you did like, you know, I mean, what if what if you could flip Harris to to the Mavericks, but you they would make the twenty three pick unprotected and give you a top ten protected twenty five first. Like I would do that. I'd be I'd be like, okay, cool, go ahead, try to. If you think Joe Harris is the fucking mystery piece. I um, I doubt I, I doubt you're get, you're getting another first from the Mavs. That'd be hysterical, though. Um, I mean, the you know, like Charlotte, maybe you know, um, they're looking to make a playoff push next year, and they you know they obviously have um, Nicholas Batum's so, or what's going to be an expiring yeah, salary. Yeah. Um, you know, there there are things out there like who the hell knows with Cleveland? They have they've Andre Drummond, um, but I, I would say this: I would say like any deal up to like twenty million. I think you can pretty you can you can figure out a trade that like isn't too hard to make and won't require the Knicks to like take back really shitty salary for a couple of years. Like I think you can you can figure that out. Um, I I feel pretty confident about that. Um, and you know like the reason so like just you know Gallinari that a lot of people have mentioned as somebody that like would fit into the same concept. And I just, I actually don't agree. I, I like I, and I talked about this with Jeremy a lot, but like when you start thinking about like, okay, we, let's say you sign Gallinari to what two years, let's just say it's the same thing that I offered Harris. Right. So two years, 32 million, like what contending teams are out there? What teams are even out there that are willing to offer a future first for a four who is a bad, he's like minus defender really good offensive player but like also not an offensive player that he cannot be one of your top three or four options really on a contending team right like he's not that good um i don't know stay healthy yeah like i just i just don't actually think if you sign gallinari i would say that is actually more of like a fred van vliet thing where you're sign if you sign him you have to sign him because you want to build with him not because yep. you're like, oh, we're like, how much better could he play than he played, you know, in L.A. the in eighteen nineteen or even in OKC this year? And we saw even this year, like they couldn't come to an agreement in a trade with Miami because the draft compensation and because Gallinari wanted an extension too. But like, I just don't think there are teams that look like the Morris thing works because, for better or worse he has a reputation as like you can put him in defensively and he's not a liability. Uh, like I do think that he actually can be a liability in a lot of ways defensively, but like he doesn't have that reputation and he is a stronger defender than, than Gallinari. Um, so it makes it easier to be like, okay, well it's fine that we're scaling down his usage because he's going to give us value on the other end of the floor. Whereas with Gallinari, like, his entire value is offensive. So if you start like scaling down his usage on a contender, then it 
just limits his value significantly. Um, and you're also not going to give him like a super prominent role in a contender because you would probably cease to be a contender at that point. Well, that's why I think with someone like Gallinari, it's that question of, you know, of all these signings, right? Like we're, we're kind of looking two steps ahead. We're hoping the Knicks can, can what we finally saw them do with Morris, but for a long time, what they never did. And that was take an asset and don't just exhaust it when it's in your possession. Meaning, Maybe, I mean, God forbid you actually increase the value of it while you while you have it, but at least have some value, some residue value that you can then use that when, the, you know, when you trade it, you're not just basically like taking a loss. But I guess the question is for some of these guys, like let's say Gallinari, if you're able to sign someone for maybe like a two year deal, is it possible that you, you are willing to look at the value strictly from the purpose of Nope, this isn't this isn't a, a piece or an asset that we're trying to, um, you know, flip down the road. The the most value we get is just what he provides us right now, and that is, you know, shooting around our young players. It's hard to you know get and you know a player who's a veteran who can at least like, you know, we're not going to have to rely on or worry about the fact that he can't understand like how to work in, you know, in a professional set, uh, system that, you know, Tibbs different than uh, other coach, coaches we've had here recently would implement. Um, so that, that's why I think it's a little different with him in my eyes than even Van Vliet, because I feel like with Van Vliet based on his age, he's someone that you look at as even towards the end of his contract, you're hoping there's still some value there. You're not just signing him for what he can do for you like right yeah. now. That's the nice thing about all the players that you mentioned is they're all like none of them profile as as guys who are going to um, age so poorly um, that it's going to become like a, a terrible deal. Like the you know, I, gosh, I, I I if I imagine how differently Knicks fans would think about all of this if the whole Timmy thing went differently. And yeah, I mean, if KP doesn't get hurt, I think if he if KP doesn't get hurt, if if Timmy doesn't get hurt because he was obviously not himself, you know, towards you know, think really that that contract, or do you think it's? I actually thought you were about to say Noah. Like, how do Knicks fans look differently at at like if the Knicks didn't sign Noah? Yeah, again with Hardaway, I think you you're explaining right now kind of the nuance of how you look at that. They really haven't signed like. A pl- like for all the talk about like oh typical lol Knicks they're gonna just go sign some veteran washed up player to a big contract it's like they really don't have this like extensive history in recent time of doing that but Noah was really the one and I wonder if you take just that one away if if there would just be a different perception or different way but, you look at how but he was clearly like, on the the downside. I think that's, that's the difference. I mean. So he was the one that w- was so overwhelmingly stupid for them to do that it's like, I'm just wondering if and they, I, I if talked they myself into it. Though. Let me tell you. I tell you about signing. What, like, don't you feel like the whole persona around the Knicks being like, no, it would, it would it's just to would, me that signing be... is the one that really set, sets this whole dialogue right now that the Knicks will be the team that signs some really bad stupid contract they they don't have a lot of them on their books I mean even yeah Ron Baker was a questionable contract but it wasn't costly enough that you could sit there and go that crazy about it like other than Noah it's just Tim Hardaway Jr. and at least he was a young player 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was like the Hardaway thing was a good. I I actually, you know, I I don't really give a shit. I still think that was a totally okay like decision to make because they clearly were trying to like add a piece that could grow with Porzingis. And I think that was important at the time because Porzingis was like pretty fed up with the organization's kind of, you know, uh, let's say moves to add like key veteran pieces. And he kind of wanted it to be his team. Right. So I think like adding a player like Timmy fit into that. And actually what those two together, like they actually they were really good well together. I think, mm-hmm. I think we had like a positive net rating with them on the floor. Um, we were barely, I mean, we weren't, we were still trending in the direction of like not being a playoff team, but it was a far more competitive team. It was a far more enjoyable team to watch. I think on a night to night basis, um, like I, I, I I'm, I'm, totally okay with like criticizing the move and there were plenty of people that said right at the time like this is a bad contract so it's not you know hindsight like ha 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 like we're just making fun of it now but like there are plenty of people at the time that, that criticized it but i do think that that is a good example of maybe like okay the contract was the wrong contract but it was the right idea to add a player like that yeah, that's because fair. he helped you he helped you kind of figure thing like you want a perimeter scorer with a with a big like kp right that's like a very basic team building concept right like big man that can score get a wing or a guard who can score and like or like initiate create whatever however you want to put it and play them together like that's essentially how basketball has been played forever right like get a star big man you get a star perimeter guy you're probably going to be a competitive team and there obviously there are degrees to that Tim Hardaway Jr. is not Kobe Bryant and KP is not Shaq. So like, you know, you didn't become a dynasty, but you were a team or found out more about KP, to be honest. You were like, okay, like if we get this guy perimeter help, he can, he can be like a, a viable pr- scoring option that, that presents problems for other teams. And I think like with the Knicks, they're at this point where it's like, okay, we know RJ Barrett can do stuff. We know Mitchell Robinson has like a very, very defined role, but within that defined role can have a very strong impact. It's about adding guys who can now help those two really kind of perfect their craft and work at their craft and extend their games, but in an environment where it is like, it's quality reps. You know, it's not it's not Alfred Payton and Julius Randle playing buddy ball um, you know, like just doing their own thing, and then maybe you get a kick out, and then you got to figure it out on your own if you're not Jay Barrett. Like, it, it's a more conducive well, environment to developing what you have in that player. You're, and I think, like, you know, in in terms of the guys that I talked about, the one that was the most questionable in that sense was Christian Wood because him and Mitch, there is like an idea of these guys might overlap. Not in terms of like Wood is obviously a far more skilled offensive player with a lot more skills but like he the the, where they score on the floor right that they're both inside scorers essentially like wood has a perimeter game but he is an inside scorer so you worry about that kind of um positional issue but like you know in some ways i think wood and i didn't want to like go bananas with any of these trade offers because the idea was more like look like you can get a first round pick for any of these guys. Um, I didn't want it to to be like that's an unrealistic trade, but like I really think with the way these playoffs went, 
you kind of saw that like this idea that the big man is dead is bullshit. Um, it's just like you need a certain caliber of big man and they need to do certain things. And I think would in a lot of ways, like, yes, he's the most questionable fit. But in terms of upside, like, I think he probably offers the most, both in terms of potential as a player on the court moving forward and as a trade asset. Because, like, you know, I think a team like Boston would be hot and heavy for him. Like, we saw what Bam did to them. You know, Bam fucking, he just took them behind the woodshed and, you know, he took Tice out back. He took Grant Williams out back. He took Tatum at the five out back. He took all their center options and just beat the shit out of them. And, like, we saw what Jokic did to to the Clippers. They had no answer. And Doc also decided that uh, Montrezl Harrell was better than Zubac. Like, there's, like, different, like, I I just think, like, a player like Wood, um, I, I would be very curious to see what he would move for in trade to some of these teams that don't have the cap space well, to sign it outright. He he's the t- and I'm curious. Uh, I want uh, Jeremy's take on Christian Wood because he wrote about him extensively a few months ago. Um, but I do want to note one: he is definitely the the Tim Hardaway Junior ish guy yeah. of the group because there is a more uncertainty there about him than with Joe Harris or or Jeremy Grant or uh, or Fred Van Fleet. Um, Where does he fit in on a good team? Yeah, exactly. And and I think you know the the one thing I do want to say as we're talking about those other guys, um, you you said with Tim the the idea was right, the contract was bad. Um, The three contracts you mentioned, two of them are for two years. Obviously, with Christian Wood, it's three years. Those I think all of those have the ability to look like overpays if the team doesn't sort out its point guard situation and it's, it's it's playmaking, which is now is the time to show the Chris Paul card. Um, you know, maybe is that, is that Frank Nilakina's music? Uh, but, well, I mean, his music is always playing in, in my heart, obviously, but you know, it's like if, if it's, if I'm bringing in Chris Paul, um, it makes me even more excited to, to sign one of these other guys, especially since when you're, when you're a bad team, it doesn't matter if you're a bad team in New York. If you're a shitty team, you're going to have to pay more for guys than you otherwise would have. And that's, you know, that fact has been, you know, proven out time and time again. Um, the, 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 the way, you know, we said again, Timmy, good idea, bad contract. Maybe um, if they, like, I, I get it. Chris Paul is not the reason, you know, Giannis is going to come here in a year right. or, or yeah, Kawhi yeah. or something. But is it the reason that Joe Harris, like, you know what? Fuck it. I get to stay here and I get to play with Chris Paul as opposed to these two fucktards over, you know, across the, <laughs> the river. No, but that's that's it. That is at least no, a conceivable, a conceivable thing or, you know, Jeremy Grant and or whatever. I, I think I think to your point, too, like especially especially if you signed Christian Wood, who isn't like he's not the cleanest fit. Right. Like, I think we can all agree on that no matter how we feel about him. He's not yeah. the cleanest fit with Mitch. But like if you signed him, you almost like should go get Chris Paul then because he will make that work, right? Like he, like you don't have to worry about getting, like if you sign Fred Van Vliet and Christian Wood, as much as I like Fred Van Vliet, I don't think he's good enough to just like make that work if it's clunky, right? Chris Paul, even if it's clunky, will just be like, shut the fuck up, go stand over there in the dunker spot, 
You come here and set a high screen for me and let me figure it out. Everybody else. Wait, I'm, I'm writing down one hour, 17 minutes. I'm going to clip just you saying you should go get Chris Paul. And then I'm just going to tweet that out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to do that at random point. I'm going awesome. to complain like Windhorse about aggregators when you do that. Please. Uh, Jer- <laughs> Jeremy, has uh, has Schwinn sold you at all on, on Christian Wood? I know you did quite the deep dive on him. Yeah, no. Um I <laughs> clip that too Schwinn where you're at it. That, I agree with Schwinn in that I think Christian Wood is um is a fine player. I just again it's it's really the fit that comes down mm-hmm. to how it works. And maybe the Knicks don't have the luxury of thinking about that, but I the thing that confuses me so much is fans who will talk about uh why Fred Van Vliet is a system player and then gravitate towards moving Julius Randle for Christian Wood because we're talking about paying Christian Wood, who has started 14 games in his NBA career. Um, he's played, I mean, as of right now, a little over one and a third seasons, and he's been in the league since 2015. And you could say like, oh, well, he's he's got it. He just hasn't had that opportunity to show it. And that's fine. It doesn't mean that I want to necessarily pay him um, hand over fist to be able to show me that opportunity because, Coward. again, my <laughs> Big yeah. snacks, Jerome yeah. James, baby. That's what you keep thinking. No. Exactly. <laughs> so the thing with me, and I agree, the concept of the big man is dead is a, it's a dumb one because all you have to do is look at the league and look at what's going on. Uh, for me, it, it comes down to just like the the gap between the best centers in the game and below that uh, is really large. And if you're going to pay someone like Christian Wood, you're going to be paying him for better production than I think he will give you. But it makes sense to get Christian Wood, in my opinion, only if you're looking to flip him to a team that has a contract and is over the cap. Like you talked about the Celtics, Schwinn. To me, it's like if you're the Celtics, trading or like signing a player like Christian Wood out of cap space, if they had it, wouldn't really make a lot of sense to them. But getting Gordon Haywood and then um, and then trading him for like Miles Turner or in this case Christian Wood that makes a lot more sense because that's just being able to add more talent in house and then being able to pick and choose what contracts you want out there because these trades come about and a lot of these players can sometimes be replaceable. So if you're the Knicks, for me it just it feels a lot like this past summer uh, or last off season, which was. Let's just accumulate as much talent as possible and, oh, it'll fit. Don't worry. We'll get um, master genius David Fisdale to fill in the gaps and it'll all go. <laughs> and, you know, Point Tom forward, Thibodeau, Christian Wood. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, Tom Thibodeau is a much better coach than Fisdale is, but it, it's still this idea of, like, what are you necessarily getting him for other than to acquire an asset that is only going to lose value because you're not going to position that asset in the right position. Like we're talking about Randall. To me, if he's not going out in a potential Chris Paul trade, I'm not so sure where he's going right this well, moment because of where his value is. But he'd probably to need to him into something to open up the space for any of these. Just for for not not exactly, but it's it would be tight, right? So we're, I think we we can assume he'd be going out. It's not that he can't. It's more a question of where his value would be, right? Because there's there's a belief, at least that I hold, which is that if you don't trade Julius Randle for Chris Paul, you're probably not going to be able to ship him out right now for something that's good. I think you can raise his value between now and the trade deadline. Um, but other than that, like 
I think if he plays more within the flow of the offense and he's not uh, a disaster defensively, then you can up his value a bit. With Christian Wood, I think it's actually a little bit less likely because of the fact that I think that Randall can find a better niche. And again, it's like, what are you really trading Randall just to sign Christian Wood? Because I don't see it being that much of an upgrade. And to be truthfully honest, Julius Randall at least has a higher track record or a better track record where I don't love the fact that he's earning $19 million a year, but I feel safe knowing like he's going to give me production that's not that far off if he's used correctly. Whereas with Christian Wood, it's like, okay, um, yeah, he played in a backup role for a very meh Pistons team, and then they traded Drummond, and he started, and they went, what, like 1-13 in in their last 14 games? And it's a little concerning to me. So, like, it's not so much even – and this is what I was saying in the article when I wrote it way back when. It's not even that I view Julius Randle as this far better player. It's just – in comparing the two, I don't see a huge upgrade. And if you're trading Randall just for the sake of being able to sign Christian Wood, then and I know that's not what is being argued here, but it's just kind of nuts to me how you're how you're handling your assets and what you're taking on. It doesn't feel like that's something you should be doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I wouldn't like Christian Wood is a player I actually I think is really fun, and I. I do like him. I sadly watched most of his post Drummond um, reps, uh, his starts. I watched almost. I think I watched all those games uh, during that's amazing. our quarantine. Good, good um, stuff. Thanks. Yeah, that's dedication. Uh, really, it's really rewarding. Um, <laughs> but like, it's. I, I think he's good. I think. I don't know why he has bounced around the way he has. I think he had some immaturity issues when he came out of college. And, um, you know, sometimes guys just get lost in the shuffle, which is crazy to think, like, given his size and athleticism and all those kind of things, which are all things that <laughs> NBA GMs typically lose their minds over. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, I, I do think he is, like, I just, the Boston one makes sense to me because, the, I mean, the trade I proposed was, like, you know, it wasn't even Hayward. It was Cantor. It was Vincent Poirier, who basically did not play at all this year. Uh, Romeo Langford, who um, they got one pick uh, behind Tyler Hero, who they totally were going to select. Just ask them. Um, and um, <laughs> Boston, and then and then their twenty twenty one first next year, which like you know, barring crazy injuries, is not going to be a high pick. And so like the value to them is like, hey, look, like I, and I'm projecting here that Christian Wood is going to prove that like he's not just a flash in the pan and that he's actually a quality, you know, five, four or five player. Um, like the, the value there is they literally are not giving up a single core piece or asset. And they're actually adding a capable starter at a position of probably what would you say? Like that's their biggest need was another, like a legitimate big man. Um, like I think that would be the appeal for them. And, I didn't come up with a trade for the Clippers or I didn't list it anyway, but like that would be the appeal for the Clippers if they can kind of find some way to incentivize you, um, which will be hard for them, obviously, after they gave up everything for um, the uh, mental giant that Pete. Uh, so bad. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I mean, like that's another team that's like you could I'm sure that they're looking at it and like their two biggest needs are like, yeah, we need a 
you know, a, a legitimate playmaker, obviously. And then we also need like another big man. Um, I think anyway, that's, that would just be how I would look at it anyways, if I were them. So I, I guess like the idea of wood for me is, is more just that. And, but like, in all honesty, if you were like, what are the odds the Knicks sign him? I would say 5%. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I think it. I think it's low. How about this? Why don't we? Why don't we finish up with? Uh, we'll go around the horn and just do um, for each of us. We'll answer two questions. We'll each rank given given the uh, contract parameters that you gave Schwinn, um, one to four. What how we would rank in terms of what we want the most, and then we could do. Um, one to four in terms of how um, likely we think uh, each of these each of these bad boys will, will be to occur. Um, so um, I can go first. Um, I'll let's start with uh, let's start with how, let's start with likelihood. So one to four based on the numbers that you gave Schwinn, I think Christian Wood would be the most likely um, that the Knicks could get him for three for. Uh, 40, was it 42? Yeah. Um, second, I will put Joe Harris at two for 32. I'll go Fred Van Fleet three for 67. And, but it's close between him and, uh, Jeremy Grant, um, who I'll, I'll take fourth, most likely two years, 29. Um, sure. you want to go next? Yeah. Uh, I would say that the contract numbers, uh, likelihood, I would say, uh, I would say Van Vliet would be the most likely. I would say Grant would be the second most likely, then Harris, and then Wood. I just think the Pistons are going to be like, Anything that's somewhat reasonable like that, they'll just be like, nope, we're keeping him. Okay. So it's it's very clear uh, from listening to this podcast, at the very least, that Schwinn likes wood. Um, another another snippet. Um, <laughs> Jeremy, uh, Jeremy, you want to go next? Um, I guess I would say Harris most likely. Um, Van Vliet second. Probably Wood third, and then Grant fourth. I just have a hard time seeing the Nuggets letting Jeremy Grant um, go, especially after them being in the Western Conference Finals and what he was able to do. I think if they're going to look to dump salary, they could just kind of try to get Will Barton off the books. There's uh, a little bit more that they can do. Otherwise, it's a little tricky, but um, I, I just um, – I don't know. Something about Jeremy Grant just makes me think that he is – not going anywhere. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, all right, JB, why don't you uh, bring us home with uh, – so rank him from, for likelihood, and then you could go right ahead with, uh, with who you'd want from most of the least. Likelihood, um, I actually think – some reason I think Christian Wood is, is higher up there because – and again, we're saying likelihood that the Knicks actually signed for what Schwinn put out here, it, right? Yes, Exactly. All right, so I'm going to say Christian Wood, not because I think that that would be their top guy, but because I I could see all the, the other three just staying where they are, where I, I, I see Christian Wood being a guy that would, of the four, I think he's the one, to me, that's most likely would would leave and go somewhere else. So okay. for that reason, I'll put him one, and then I'll go with um, Harris two, Van Fleet three, 
and Grant four. And then for who I would want the most, I think I want, I guess I'm going to say Van Fleet one, Harris two, Grant three, Wood four. Okay. Uh, going reverse snake draft style. So, Jeremy, who uh, your your desires, one to four. I would say it's probably a Joe. Oh, God. I would oh god man um I'm really torn between Joe Harris and Fred Van Vliet in terms of desires I'm okay. gonna go with Van Vliet first on this one I just think that um I think Harris's skill set not Harris himself but his skill set's a little bit more replaceable and considering as uh, Schwinn said that the Knicks really haven't had competent point guard play since Raymond Felton that kind of puts the edge for Van Vliet uh, I'll go Harris second though I'll probably take Jeremy Grant third and then Christian Wood in fourth. Uh, unsurprising that uh, you are you are low on Wood. Um, as a Nick. Yes, as, 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 a, as Nick. a Nick. Um, uh, Schwinn, your, your preference? Uh, Van Vliet, Harris, Grant, Wood. And I will finish it up with um, – I will also – I'll make it four for four. Uh, Van Vliet uh, one – in a non-Chris Paul world, um, although again, I would I would really need to think about it if I knew we could get Van Fleet for this number. This is a nice contract um, for I think it's a nice contract for him. I think it's a nice contract for the Knicks. So Van Fleet would be one. Uh, Jeremy Grant would be two, um, and uh, Joe Harris would be three, and Christian Wood would be four. All right, um, JB, I know you got to get out of here. So um, before I let you go, anything you want to plug or promote? The Strick dot land. Love it. Uh, Jeremy, <laughs> plug, promote for you. Um, the strict.land. Schwinn, you want to make it three, three for three? Uh, I want to promote the Knicks Film School newsletter. <laughs> you're, the, <laughs> you're the fucking best. Um, thank you for that. I will also promote uh, Schwinn as a human being that you <laughs> just you needed in your life. Um <laughs> In small doses. And also, uh, the strict.land. And I actually, oh, hold on. I want to promote, um, we, since we've been talking about Schwinspies for the last hour and a half, um, Prez, uh, and it was co authored, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, wrote a really, really, really well thought out piece on Killian Hayes. And, um, even if you're, regardless of what you think about the next point guard situation or the draft or Hayes, I would, it's really well thought out and it's well done. Yeah, so it was a great piece. Yeah. Uh, go read that. That's it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks film school podcast. And if you've carried over from, um, pod Strickland, thank you for listening to that as well. Um, all of us will be back with you with more wonderful, delightful content, uh, before you can say, I like wood. Everybody have a great week.